Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for joining me. Awesome show for you today. Uh, Start hitting that like button if you're watching over YouTube. Hit the subscriptions. Tell your friends. Uh, If you're listening over Apple, give me the five-star rating. Help us fight the algorithm. We have a smoker of a show planned for you today. Warren Sapp and Steve Kim are going to be here today. I'm going to uh, start with a fire starter (laughs) that will delight many of you and irritate some of you uh, because (laughs) I'm going to uh, restate and, and go over and further my analysis of two of your favorite uh, topics, Deion Sanders and Stephen A. Smith, and I'm going to show you the connection between the two and why it's important. Uh, So buckle up, tell your friends, and you know, you guys can hop in the chat and start complaining, why are you picking on Dion? Ticket TV's about to go whining and crying everywhere, but uh, you guys do. uh, Whatever it is you're gonna do, I'm gonna provide you with a great show. Uh, Before we do that, I wanna give you a little advice that can put some uh, money in your pocket, <laughs> you know, prize picks. Have you been testing your skills on prize picks this football season? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. My mom sent me some of her prize picks she's selecting for this weekend's divisional round of NFL playoff games. Uh, She likes Harrison uh, Butker, you know, the kicker, with uh, more than one and a half field goals made versus the Bills. She's got the the Chiefs kicking some field goals, I guess, this weekend. Uh, Zay Flowers, the Baltimore receiver, more than 51 and a half receiving yards versus the Texans. And she likes my man run CMC, Christian McCaffrey, more than 90 and a half rushing yards versus the Packers. As fearless, use the promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use our promo code fearless, prizepicks. Baby Fantasy Sports Made Easy. All right, so let's get into this fire starter. 
and I'm going to give you guys a new way to think about DEI. You guys have heard of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I want to talk to you about defending elite ignorance. The real DEI, defending elite ignorance. That's pretty much what we've been doing all this year, all the past few years, as it relates to athletes, as it relates to media people. There's this group of elites who are ignorant. And then there's this group of people who run around spending all of their time defending the ignorance of elites. That's why so many of you melt down every time Deion Sanders, Coach Prime's name falls out of my mouth because you have signed up to defend elite ignorance. Oh my God, Deion Sanders, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's made a bunch of money. He's cool, he wears a gold chain. How dare Whitlock question anything about him? Doesn't he know about DEI? Doesn't he know it's my job to defend elite ignorance? That's what I do. I'm a groupie. I'm someone that worships. I'm so filled with idolatry that my job, I'm a DEI leader. I run around and defend elite ignorance. And that's what Disney and all the powerful people, the entire corporate media is just running around installing ignorance everywhere they can because they know you will defend it. Give you the latest example uh, with Deion Sanders. Did you see where his two sons were uh, this weekend? Did you see where uh, uh, Deion had his son? I, I, they skipped the first team meeting uh, for the Colorado football team because Shiloh and Shadur, let's throw up the pictures, they had to run over to Paris for Fashion Week. I believe that's Shiloh right there uh, modeling uh, in Paris. And I, I, the, the defenders of elite ignorance right now, how dare you, Jason Whitlock, question these young men? Don't you understand? Those are Dion's kids. They're elite. And so you can't say anything about Shadur. That's a college quarterback. It's like, did they not pay attention to when Cam Newton started wearing the uh, scarves and uh, everything was about dressing, everything was about fashion. He was more focused on that than honing his skills as an elite quarterback. Why would Dion have his boys doing the same thing? Why would they skip the first team meeting of the 2024 season to run over to Paris to be in a fashion show? How's, and this, is a byproduct of Dion's thinking, and, and maybe it's true. Maybe coaching, maybe chemistry, maybe uh, building a bond amongst the team, maybe the, the football that I grew up playing. It, it was like pledging a fraternity in terms of they wanted to break you down, they wanted you, a group of guys, to suffer together, and then you... That's the way you build a bond. That's the way you get a team tough and ready and together. That's how you build team chemistry. That's why they used to have two-a-days in football, and they'd be very difficult because the coaches wanted to build a bond. 
That's all thrown out the window now. It's all just about uh, the transfer portal and recruits. And if you got talent, nothing else matters. It does team chemistry, none of that rules, standards, discipline, none of that matters. It's just, hey, we got some offensive linemen we recruited in, we replaced people, we filled our cupboard, we got all the talent in the world. That's all that matters. And so Shadur and Shiloh, you guys want to head off to Paris for Fashion Week and, and dress like clowns? Have at it. Because that's what the regime, that's what the system, that's what they want. They are installing people that will promote foolishness, that will promote chaos. I know this upsets all of you that, that I would say this and that I would, I would sit out here and call you guys defenders of elite ignorance, but that's what you are. If it doesn't apply to you, don't get upset, don't get in your feelings. If it does apply to you, get upset, get in your feelings, get emotional, get mad. Oh my God, Jason's criticizing Dion. He won four games last year. He's the greatest coach in the history of college football. He should replace Nick Saban. He should be the next Dallas Cowboys coach. He's the greatest. No, he's not. He's a clown that's been installed. Hadn't really paid his dues. Oh, he coached in high school. Oh, what about those three seasons at Jackson State? Dion's always been a winner. Dion had more talent at the HBCU level, and so he won a bunch of games. Hats off to him. At this level, this Power Five level, it takes more than talent because you can only acquire so much of it. You only got 85 scholarships. And so there's a lot of elite players to spread around to a bunch of other teams. And so chemistry and team camaraderie and all that actually matters at the Power Five level. Dion's going to find out the hard way. My prediction right now on, in January of 2024, what's going to happen to Colorado is they're going in their first five, six games. They're going to lose two. And because Dion has set such unbelievable standards, we're going to make the college playoffs. We're going to be one of the top 12 teams in the country. We're going to, when they lose their second game, the season's going to go into the toilet because there is no camaraderie there. There is no bond being built. There's two different Colorado teams. There's Dion's favorite players, and then there's the rest of the team. And so when, when the going gets tough, when they are four and two and realize, oh man, we're not going to make the playoffs, they're going to pack it in. And everybody's going to start looking for where they're going to transfer to after Dion quits after next season. That's my prediction. So I'm looking at seven and five at best, likely six and six this season. And everybody, well, that's two more games than they won last year. Dion's incredible. No, he's not. Got a bunch of talent. He doesn't know how to mold it into a real team. He's a clown. This also connects to uh, my man, our man, Stephen A. Smith. I want to, I've been on this topic explaining to you all what a clown Stephen A. Smith is, and there are many of you all 
that don't want to address what I brought out about Stephen A. Smith, because again, it's your job to defend elite ignorance. And Stephen A. Smith makes a lot of money. He works for ESPN and he's been installed at the top and you're a worshiper. And so it bothers you when I point out Stephen A. Smith's flaws. There's some guy has a pretty successful podcast. I think it's called Dreamers Pro. And, and this dude stepped into reality and put out a video yesterday uh, 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 of something that Stephen A. Smith did that I hadn't seen or I wasn't aware of, but he made me go look it up. He played a clip from uh, Stephen A. Smith. He played the audio clip of Stephen A. Smith, I believe, on the Paul George podcast or some other host, but I think it's related to Paul George, where Stephen A. Smith once again talked about not playing a game at Winston-Salem State and, and how this calls into question. But let's play the clip. I think it's sock number four of Stephen A. Smith uh, once again. And, and we'll play the other examples. Stephen A. is all over the Internet talking about how he never played at Winston-Salem State. Let's play sock four. Uh, Stephen A., you recently spoke about your short-lived basketball career yep. uh, by admitting that I believe that you averaged less than one point a game. But yep. what I did not know is that you said that you actually received a basketball scholarship. Yes, I was on a basketball scholarship at Winston-Salem State University my first year there. I cracked my kneecap in half. And I never, I was never able to play again. I kept trying to come back and practice, but this is in the late '80s. Uh, technology wasn't then, wasn't mm -hmm. then what it is now. I was at a Division II school. They didn't have the facilities necessary for me to rehab. I actually had to leave school for a semester to go home under my mother's insurance to rehab because they wouldn't pay for the insurance in North Carolina at that particular school because my mother's insurance wouldn't cover me there and they wasn't going to cover us there. They paid for the operation, but they didn't pay for the rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. So I never completely recovered from it. So I would come back, make the team, trying to practice, and once every 36 to 48 hours, my knee would just give out. I couldn't, I couldn't run without the limp and all of that other stuff. And that's what happened. So what I said was everybody teased me one and a half points a game. I said, no, it was less. I never played because I cracked my kneecap in half with your ignorant asses. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know. Right, right, kneecap. right knee? Right kneecap. I still got a six inch screw in it to this very day. They never took it out because back in the day they would leave it out. Then technology advanced and they would take it out. But by that time, it was in the 2000s. My career was thriving and I didn't want to take any time off to go back and take the screw out and have to rehabilitate all over again because mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't going to play. Mm -hmm. They told me I could live with the screw on my I need, that's what I did. So that's Stephen A. Uh, on a different podcast, talking about the six-inch six screw and talking about how he never played. Uh, it, it's This guy's really good at stretching the truth and saying things that are far-fetched. And people are really good at just nodding their head along. Well, it's Stephen A. Smith. And he's elite. And he makes a lot of money. And so I can't question him, and he's popular. And i got to make sure he doesn't get upset and that we do a successful podcast. So I'm going to just sit here and nod my head while he says farcical things. Farcical. Farcical. So he referred at the beginning to the interviewer did. I want to play you this shot five. This is the original where Stephen A. came out of the closet about never playing uh, at Winston-Salem State. Play the clip. They learn, talk about I averaged one and a half points a game. They, I saw some article on social media. That's a lie. It was less. 
See that? You didn't know I was going to say that, did you? It was less than that. It's a lie. How about zero? Because I never played. Because I cracked my kneecap in half. I got operated on at Wake Forest University. As I paid. In Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My mama was by my bedside. My sisters came to see me. They said I'd never walk straight again. My bone cracked in half. My first year at Winston-Salem State. So he's yelling and screaming. His mama's at his bedside. Bone cracked in half. His first year at Winston-Salem State. We saw him in a previous video say his knee would swell up every 36, 48 hours. Just keep all this in mind. And now I want to play you a third example of, of Stephen A. Uh, is sot number two uh, talking about how he never played at Winston-Salem State. Did you play? What level did you play? Did you play I played Division Two, but I really didn't play because I cracked my kneecap in half the the minute I got there. Oh, so I shit. never really, really had an opportunity to shine, which is why it makes me laugh when people say he didn't do anything in college. You know, he averaged two points a game. But I said, really, two points? That's a lie because I never played because I cracked my kneecap in half. I've seen the photo of you. Let's say, let's say, let's say you didn't get injured. What do you, what do you think would have happened with your career? I don't think I would have been pro. I don't think I was that good. But I think that's so honest. I, I, I don't amazing. think I would have been pro at all. But I do believe <laughs> I knew I could ball. Um, and I thought that I would have excelled at the Division Two level, Division One level. I was like five nine, one hundred and thirty pounds. Did you hear the interviewer? This guy is so honest. Really, is he? Or do you not know what you're listening to? Are you clueless? Are you so blinded by your idolatry? And oh, we got an elite here, and he makes a lot of money. And it's Stephen A. Smith. Are, are, are you that blind? Crack my kneecap, Division Two, never play. Why is this important? Why am I going over this? And you've already let's go to the stat sheet uh, from the 90-91 season. This is what ESPN referenced on uh, television uh, when he was with Malika Andrews and all these people. But do we have the I asked for the stat sheet. Yeah, there's the stat sheet. And if I now I'm far away. Is that the stat sheet that says Steve Smith played nine games or ten games? I can't remember. But it's either nine or ten games. I think the nine games. That, that stat sheet says nine games. That's taken from, I believe, the yearbook at Winston-Salem State. You go to the NCAA archives, that Steve Smith is credited with playing ten games. This leads to the very obvious question. We've got Stephen A. Smith on three different podcasts. I never played a game. He's adamant about that. Why is there a Steve Smith on the stat sheet credited with playing nine games? Who is that Steve Smith? This is why I keep saying like, hey man, this isn't just a tiny little lie. Oh, the guy can't remember how many games he played in college. What, get off his back, Whitlock. What are you doing? I'm asking the question, like, who is this other Steve Smith? And is the entire story fraudulent? Because that's the only logical conclusion to reach, is that Stephen A. Smith's whole Winston-Salem State career is fraudulent. And there's a reason why they only show you what I like to call the Wilt Chamberlain picks. 
that some people, not me, I'm not ready to go there, but some people are like, is that photoshopped? We get this picture over and over and over again. There's a little different one from another year where, where Stephen A looks a little darker or whatever, but we get these two shots. And I've been asking the question of like, where are the candid photos of Stephen A. Smith just on the college campus, hanging out with his buddies or friends, at homecoming? Any, where are those pictures at? What, every time this man's on TV and has talked about going to Winston-Salem State, all we get are the Wilt Chamberlain photos. Think about your college experience even if you're me and Stephen A. Smith's age or older, how many pictures do you have from college? Particularly those of you that played athletics, those of you that had any type of social life in college, is the only picture you can produce is a headshot from the basketball team? We can't see pictures of you and your boys just hanging out at a HBCU that have homecomings that are off the chains? Nothing? Maybe he's got it and he's just hiding it. I don't get it. And I want to know who the Steve Smith is on the stat sheet. The reason why this is important is I'm reaching the point. The more I watch these videos of Stephen A. Smith, it, it, it's, the line seems pathological. And it makes you why has he been installed at the top? Is it because he's so uncomfortable or are he so comfortable stretching the truth? Is that who they need at the top of all these influential positions? People that are very, very comfortable playing loose with the facts and the truth? Is that is is that the media environment that has been set up so that you can get Rachel Maddow to go on TV and say, if you take the vaccine, you will not get COVID. I repeat, if you take the vaccine, you will not get COVID. Do you, what type of person that isn't a doctor would be comfortable going on TV? Someone just cooked up a vaccine in six, seven, eight months. Who would be comfortable going on TV? If you take the vaccine, you will not get COVID. Someone who is comfortable lying. Someone who doesn't really care about the truth or being right or wrong. They just want to do what they're told. They just want to make sure Big Pharma keeps cutting those checks. I've showed you the videos of Stephen A. Smith promoting the vaccine, specifically to black people. Who would do that? He's, again, he's a former alleged college athlete, some sort of sports writing journalist, but now you're comfortable going on TV telling people what medications they should take? Who would be comfortable doing that? A pathological liar. Maybe he's not a pathological liar. But my God, I, I want to just, and we got other clips we could play, but I just want to show you, I want to show you one other one. And later in the week or at some other point, I'll show you others where 
Stephen A. Smith is just comfortable sitting down in front of interviewers and saying anything. Watch this clip as Stephen A. Smith talks about his childhood and how the drug dealers protected him. Play the clip. That we just finished talking about when I talk about how, you know, I'm not snitching, I'm not talking, I'm mm -hmm. not getting into people's personal business or whatever. I grew up with that code. I grew up with that code. Um, you know, one of the biggest drug dealers in Hollis literally lived directly across the street from me, you know, um, and yeah. he was a killer. And it was understood Steve is not to be touched. You got dealers in Hollis. Steve is not to be touched. You know, they understood that there was potential in me and they literally threatened they were going to whip my ass if they ever saw me on the really? corner involved in the drug game in any way. They said we didn't have a choice. How did they do. know? How did they know that about you? They would see me on the basketball court. First of all, the level of diligence that I put forth that I'd shoot like 300 J's a day and stuff like that. They'd see me in school. You know, they know I came home. I do my homework, put in the work, whatever. They knew that I wasn't trying to be about that life. And so their whole mentality was, you know, you got your mother there. You got your four older sisters there, active part of your life. You got a support system. You don't have to do this. We did. We made our choice. But we ain't going to let you make this choice. And literally, I've had several of them tell me, we'll, we will fuck you up. Do not be on this corner. Do not be doing this. Do not Cared be going to bust yeah. your ass. Wow. And they meant it. And I knew they meant it. And so they would sit up there. They'd let me shoot, stuff like that, get docked. They had to get into their game. they said, say, all right, it's time for you to go. You know, but it was understood. People in the neighborhood, it was widely known, do not touch me with that game. So Think this through. And we've heard other prominent athletes uh, say this. These, you know, everybody could see like, hey, uh, DeMar DeRozan, I think, tells this story. You know, DeMar DeRozan, six foot six, six foot seven, uh, headed to the NBA. Everybody could see it. He grew up in a rough neighborhood. And, you know, th th this is a common refrain among super talented athletes that grew up in the hood that, hey, the bad guys could see I was headed somewhere and, you know, they left me alone. So just, just think about the facts that we know from Stephen A. Smith from his own mouth that when he left high school, he was five foot nine, 130 pounds, according to Stephen A. Smith. And so you want us to believe that when you left as a senior at five foot nine, 130 pounds, that the drug dealers in your neighborhood would look out and see a five foot five, five foot six, five foot seven, five foot eight, tiny little kid. <laughs> that boy right there, he got a bright future. Look at those jump shots he's taking. That little midget there, he's the next Muggsy Bogues. Don't touch him. Or perhaps, as Stephen A. kind of says, well, they recognized how brilliant Stephen A. was in school and that he was doing his homework and he was on a different path. And so they said, that boy right there, who, according to Stephen A. Smith, 
had dyslexia, was held back in school either one or two different times, was held back the first time I believe, in fourth or fifth grade because he was dyslexic, undiagnosed, and wasn't a good student. And so the drug dealers were like, hey, uh, that little five foot five, 110 pound kid who's dyslexic and many of us call retarded, don't touch him. He's going somewhere. Or a third option is, according to Stephen A. Smith, out of his own mouth, they said, that boy right there, that little midget, dyslexic, we think retarded, he's got a mama and four sisters. He's got a support system. So what they said was, like, there's no drug dealers out there like, yeah, I got a mama and three or four sisters and three or four brothers. Like, they can't relate to that? Because Stephen A. in his book takes a major dump on his father who was in the home. In his book takes, but Stephen A. is telling this story as if drug dealers looked out and said, yeah, Stephen A. is just like me. My daddy ain't in the picture or he's no good. And my mama and four sisters, they got my back. Let's don't touch him. He's got something I don't have. You know, drug dealers, they don't have matriarchal leaders. They don't have single mamas with other siblings. This, and, and to sit and listen to this interview, go, yeah, but this, and suck it all in and just take it all in. This defense of elite ignorance. What are we doing? What? They are intentionally, in, and look, I know Deion Sanders could run a 4-2-40, and he's one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play in the NFL. I'm not knocking that. But at no point has Deion Sanders been remotely, anyone has ever thought of him as some sort of rocket scientist. It just hasn't happened. He was fast, and he was a great athlete, and that got him through life. He didn't even graduate from FSU. Some school gave him a degree, or I don't want to. Uh, Dion's not, I'm just sorry he's not that bright. And I'm sorry if that irritates you, but, but it's just factual. People with Dion's level of talent tend not to be that bright because they don't have to intellectually evolve to make it in this world. I don't blame them. It's like I've said it for years. I don't blame LeBron James for not being able to get past the first page of a book. He didn't have to read books to be celebrated in high school. He didn't have to be uh, read books or be a great student or learn how to talk proper English in order to make it in this world. He needed to learn how to knock down jump shots. And Dion needed to learn how to intercept passes and run back kicks. And that's what they did. It was a smart thing. If I had their talent, I would have done the exact same thing. But running around pretending like this clown is some genius and he's setting the college football world on fire, running around as if some guy that got held back in school, some guy that's dyslexic, some guy who has a very sketchy story about his college experience, 
He's at the top of the sports media world. They're installed and they're installed because you allow it. You defend their ignorance at every turn. I'm going to bring Steve Kim into the discussion. Uh, before I do that, you guys know I want to talk about uh, our passion project here at Fearless. We love Preborn. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a bad place. She didn't know how she could raise her child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic and God led her to preborn, a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying and the nurse reminded her that babies are blessings from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. That story can be repeated over and over and over again. When preborn gets involved, introduces that mother uh, to the baby's heartbeat, image inside the womb, that mother chooses life. Then preborn really steps in and steps up and supports that woman through the pregnancy and through the first two years of that baby's life. Preborn is part of our mission here at Fearless as men and as women. We understand that life begins at conception. No one supports that better than preborn. There's two ways to give to preborn. It's just $28 for an ultrasound. Two ways to give. Uh, pound 250, say the keyword baby, or you can go deliver it my way, preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. Guys, we're going to do better in 2024 than we did in 2023. We had a great year supporting preborn in 2023. When you... Send me a donation. Send me an email, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. It uplifts me. I always uh, respond. Fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Marshall Falk, previously on Fearless. Had you made a bunch of money in college, do you think that would have changed your NFL career? Yeah. Yes, yes, but not, not the way you are talking about it. Well, don't put words in my head. I just asked a question. I, well, I don't know how I'm talking well, about it. Well, I'm listening to how you're, how you, there's, in, 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 in asking the question... I'm not inferencing anything. I'm no, no. In asking the question, you're asking in the manner of when you get money, do you look at the game the same? And I'm saying that's not the way I would have went about it. I would have went about it... Like, if, if I had NIL money, then I would have did exactly what John Elway did because John Elway had baseball money and he had a family with money. He could tell the coach, I don't want to play here. Yeah.
주다 빨리 박수 쳐 기다리지 말고 서둘러 무슨 내란 밝혀서 to feed you raps but I see that you are pay for love so fly Alright, welcome back. <clears throat> Time for some Korean co sales. Steve Kim. Steve, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, wanted your thoughts first on Shiloh and Shadur over in Paris for Fashion Week. Missed the first meeting of the 2024 season. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? It's a big deal. I, I know all the Deion Sanders cultists are going to talk about, oh, it's not a big deal. Um, you know what they're going to be saying? Why are you hatering? Look, if you are the team leader, and generally the high-profile quarterback is a team leader, starting safety, who's one of the better defensive players, and the coach's son, who are both high-profile, to miss the first team meeting, or any meeting, this is not a serious football program. And yet this is the guy that RG3 thinks is going to be able to run an adult locker room in Dallas. I'd love to see if... Robert Griffin III had anything to say about that. Again, there's a wrong way and a right way. And I, I think in, in today's culture, we start to really soften the standards and say, well, it's only one day or it's the first day. No, 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 no. I, I will guarantee you this. The greatness of a Nick Saban is that this would never happen under his watch because there is a standard and the process is important. Yeah, I, I think Dion, like a lot of talented players, thinks that talent is all that matters. And, and he, you know, I didn't need coaching. I didn't need rules and regulation. I just showed up and shut down my half of the field, and I'm going to get talented players. We got some offensive linemen. My son is uh, the greatest quarterback in college football. And now we got enough talent, and so we can play loose and fast. We, we don't need to establish a culture. I, I just think he believes in talent, and, and there's a tiny kernel of truth to it, but he doesn't understand, like, in the Power Five level, talent is spread out everywhere. This isn't Jackson State where he had so much more talent than everybody else that it didn't matter what he did, what he does with the team. Look, Jason, talent matters, but culture is also vital. But, but there's a word called priorities. If you're trying to build a winning football team and program, um, is that fashion show more important than the first team meeting of the year as you try to turn the page after your first season in Colorado basically hit rock bottom? Also, the other thing, Jason, did you see what they were modeling? My God. I mean, what, <laughs> what happened to pl- athletes? Uh, being mo- yeah right. I, well, come on. What happened to starter jackets? Remember starter jackets? I love those things. I still have mine, by the way. Still looks good. What happened to pro player or apex? Now they're doing this. This oh god. You know Cordell Stewart would never. Eric Bieniemy <laughs> would never. Sal Onisi, God rest his soul, would never. I, I just look. I get it. I'm an old guy. I'm now Asian Andy Rooney. I want the old ways. I embrace it. I'm never changing. But ask yourself this, though, Jason, in the Ball State locker room, if your best player, your quarterback, missed out on the first team meeting to do some other function, no matter what it was, would that have played in Peoria? No, it would not play in Muncie, Indiana. Look, if, if, he, if they went to Mac Media Day and missed a workout – 
or, you know, Big 12, what, what are they in the Big 12, Big 12 media day and missed a workout or something that had something to do with the football team, everybody would look the other way. But if fashion week, to, so you can go wear a purse on a runway, it, it's, it's Dion wore a dress for a reason and impersonated Madonna. I, I, I've been pointing this out. I know the groupies are upset, and how dare you criticize or question anything about Dion, but it, it, it has to be done. And I think the same thing uh, applies to uh, Stephen A. Smith. Did, did you see the clip I played where Stephen A. Smith tells the story about drug dealers protecting him when he was a kid? D did you see that? Oh, God, what? Let me, yeah. let me, let's play the clip for Steve. Let's play the clip for Steve that we just finished talking about when I talk about how, you know, I'm not snitching, I'm not talking, I'm mm -hmm. not getting into people's personal business or whatever. I grew up with that code. I grew up with that code. Um, you know, one of the biggest drug dealers in Hollis literally lived directly across the street from me, you know, um, and yeah. he was a killer. And it was understood, Steve is not to be touched. You got dealers in Hollis Steve is not to be touched. You know, they understood that there was potential in me and they literally threatened they were going to whip my ass if they ever saw me on the really? corner involved in the drug game in any way. They said we didn't have a choice. How did they two. know? How did they know that about you? They would see me on the basketball court. First of all, the level of diligence that I put forth that I'd shoot like 300 J's a day and stuff like that. They'd see me in school. You know, they know I came home. I do my homework, put in the work, whatever. They knew that I wasn't trying to be about that life. And so their whole mentality was, you know, you got your mother there. You got your four older sisters there, active part of your life. You got a support system. You don't have to do this. We did. We made our choice but we ain't going to let you make this choice. And literally I've had several of them tell me, well, we will fuck you up. Do not be on this corner. Do not be doing this. Do not be you. bust yeah. your ass. Wow. And they meant it. And I knew they meant it. And so they would sit up there. They'd let me shoot stuff like that. Get dark. They had to get into their game. They said, all right, it's time for you to go, you know, but it was understood people in the neighborhood. It was widely known. Do not touch me with that game. So Stephen A. Smith, untouchable in Hollis, Queens. Okay, are you talking about Stephen A. King? Because he's doing a lot of fiction. I, next thing you know, <laughs> that, that drug dealer, who was it? Nino Brown? He wasn't allowed in that big apartment with all the crack? Um, was he hanging out with Pookie? Or, <laughs> or corn Pop. It was Corn Pop. I think yeah, it was Joe Biden's drug dealer, Corn Pop. <laughs> or, or was that movie Above the Rim based on... Stephen A. Smith. Remember that movie with Dwayne Martin and Tupac? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't understand this legend building of Stephen A. Smith. You've had a very successful career, <coughs> but the making of this backstory is maddening to me. How can we check this anyway? It, it's, it's pure fantasy and make-believe. <clears throat> the guy's a pathological liar. The, the, I saw a clip today uh, on Twitter of Stephen A. Uh, telling a story about a confrontation with Glenn Big Dog Robinson. Like, they squared off in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, Hold on. He's a pathological Hold liar. 
I know you've seen the clip of when Stephen A. Smith was trying to work the hand pads on a boxing workout. <laughs> I don't know if we could punch that up, but people, <laughs> go Google Stephen A. Smith boxing workout. And look, I'm not saying Glenn Robinson is uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, but he was, I think he was a six-seven athletic guy at one time. So you're telling me that Stephen A. Smith is going to go uh, Walker Smith, which is the real name of Sugar Ray Robinson, on an NBA athlete. Really? I, it's just this comical. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Hold on for one second. I'm, I'm trying to see if we can, and we may circle back to this uh, if, if we get it before it. Uh, Steve, I want to move on for right now. Uh, and, and asked you, did you see uh, the reporter that asked Todd Bowles about uh, playing, in the, <laughs> playing in the cold of Detroit? Let, let's, let's play the clip for Steve. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures you tend to to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't know. Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Diversity, equity, inclusion at work there, Steve. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is why if I take a flight and when the crew gets in and all the pilots are females, I'm just going to tell you, Jason, especially if they're Asian females, I'm getting right to the bus station <laughs> and I am taking a Greyhound to wherever I'm going. Because right now, <laughs> I, just, I just can't trust it. But can we give Coach Bowles some credit? He's not Todd. He's Job. I mean, the patience and the grace that he showed. Todd, you are a man of honor and excellence and integrity and grace. You, you, you've done a great job this year. I just, I don't get it. It's just like when people like Mark Cuban say, when you go with the DIE, it's not about lowering standards. This is an exhibit 1,483 that it is. It lowers the standards. I just, it's just amazing to me. And they're all supposed to like just look around and say, oh, good question, good question. But uh, I, I got to give Todd Bowles credit because I don't think a lot of other coaches in this tense, pressure-filled time would have handled it that way. He did handle it well. Uh, the, the only question that may have been, and I don't <laughs> think, I think this is dumber than the, Doug, how long you been a black quarterback question? Remember that to Doug Williams? Yeah, I, mean, you know I think I, this I, one's I, dumber than but I thought there was a context to that question. I think that guy was saying, hey, when did you first hear the term black quarterback? Because at Grambling, he was just a quarterback. It was not an issue until he got to the National Football League. See, I always thought that question was given a bad rap because where Doug Williams played football from Zachary, Louisiana, every other quarterback was black. When he played at Grambling, I'm assuming every other quarterback was black. It's not until he gets to the highest levels of football. Now it's like, ooh, Doug Williams. Black quarterback. So I, I kind of understood that question. I remember a couple of years ago when Todd Bowles was asked about 
how's it feel to be a black coach, this and that? And Todd Bowles answered, um, no, I really don't see color. I mean, I'm just here to do a job to coach men and lead football teams. And this, and I don't know if it's the same lady, but some white lady had to say, oh, but you understand why uh, diversity is important, don't you? And I'm like, oh, God. I mean, there's nobody that talks down to black people than white female liberals. It's really not even close. A lot of people do it, but the white female liberals, they lead the league. They're the worst. I agree with you, and I think that question was about, you know, when you see another black quarterback, I think they were playing Mike Tomlin, the Steelers, and it was about blah, 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 and he definitely called that woman out. And then uh, uh, I think this woman here, that to me sounded like a sister. So, uh, you know, liberal women are the problem, uh, regardless of color. Uh, Steve, I want to move on. Dak Prescott's in a lot of trouble. Really? Uh, anonymous Why? cowboy players told my favorite reporter, Jane Slater, uh, that Dak Prescott panics uh, when the first read isn't there. Sounds like the mm-hmm. locker room is uh, starting mm-hmm. to turn on uh, Dak Prescott. Well, I think, to be fair, Jason, don't 80% of the quarterbacks that play football nowadays panic when the first read is not there? I mean, to be fair, uh, but look, Dak was a problem. He was not the only problem, but Dak in that first quarter, basically, I don't want to say he gave the game away, but he almost gave the game away. Early pick, right? Uh, Him and CeeDee Lamb were not on the same book. Then you had the pick six right before the half, which ended. I've never seen such a bad performance uh, from a supposedly elite quarterback, but Dak, I thought was very, this is a very interesting thing. We talked about this a few days ago, Jason, but three, four years ago, there was pressure put on by the general mainstream media. Pay that man Dak. You better give him that $40 million plus contract or Jerry Jones. You are, you know what he is. And he gave it to him. He capitulated. Well, guys like you were saying, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we want to put this on layaway like the silk shirt of Chess King. And now you have this albatross, and I get it. The contract is a little bit obsolete. It's not a hindrance because the salary cap goes up. But, Jason, I think it's clear. Look, Dak is a solid NFL regular season quarterback. But he's not even close to being Danny White. I mean, Danny White growing up, the guy that replaced Roger Staubach, that guy was a play here or a play there to go into a Super Bowl, and he won a lot of games, a very high percentage, was always a Pro Bowl-level guy, and went to three straight NFC Championship games. I just I, – what the thing with Dak is he's good enough to win games, but he's not bad enough to replace unless Jerry says, I only have a couple of more years. Let's just cut bait. Let's do something drastic and just start over real quick. Well, they were talking about giving him an extension for even more money. That, that's got to oh. be off the table. Okay, no. Steve, you shocked me. You shocked me this morning. Uh, Steve Kim requested yeah. that we yeah. talk about the NBA. Shocked me. I nearly oh, fell out of my chair. Sort of. Uh, uh-huh. But Bulls fans oh, booed Jerry Krause oh. with his widow there oh. as she wept at midcourt. Not a good look. Let's play the video, and I want your reaction. 
Two-time NBA Executive of the Year, represented by his wife, Thelma, Basketball Hall of Famer and former Bulls General Manager, Jerry Krause. Oh, this... Uh, you got to blame Michael Jordan, don't you, for this? Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen? Yes, and I'm going to get to that. But for the people of Chicago that booed that poor lady on a night when you're supposed to honor a guy who, by the way, actually did a great job. And I am a huge Jordan fan. You know that, Jason. I am a Jordan uh, connoisseur. You people, that's the worst decision you made since... Uh, replacing Lori Lightfoot with Brandon Johnson, Mayor Mohawk. Shout out to Anton Daniels. Uh, all of you people that booed, you deserve migrants to move into your living room. That was some of the most distasteful, disgraceful action. Look, and this is the lesson that I want to impart to people. You can go out there and really support or even idolize somebody like a Michael Jordan. But be- so many of these fans think because Michael Jordan feels that way, that as a Bulls fan, I owe it to have the same feelings. Personally, if I was a Bulls fan, I would recognize, yeah, Air was not a fan of Crumbs. But let me say one thing about Crumbs Krause, who did not do himself a lot of favors. This was always going to be a tough job because, number one, he did not draft Jordan. Rod Stern did. But from that period on, the way he built that team, and I can go through countless moves, Okay, from drafting Scottie Pippen, who nobody knew, from selecting Horace Grant in the same draft. And then this is where he got into trouble with Jordan, trading away his best friend, Charles Oakley, for the good of the team to get Bill Cartwright, because he realized we need a true five. We need a real five. And Bill Cartwright was one of the few guys he didn't really get along with Jordan. He one time he one time told Jordan, hey, Mike, you ever talk to me like that again, I'll kill you. So And then other times that he would add a Steve Kerr. He paired him up with the John Paxson. Uh, parts, Ron Harper was a guy that everyone thought was finished. You know who said, you know what, this guy still has some good basketball left? Jerry Krause did. And by the way, Jerry Krause also, he made the decision along with Jerry Reinsdorf that even though Doug Collins made the Eastern Conference Finals in, I believe, 88 or 89, they said, you know what? We've gone as far as we can. There's this, there's this eccentric guy out there that smokes a lot of peyote. Phil Jackson. That's the guy we're going to get. So you put that in the context. You take away Jordan's animus towards him. Jason, wouldn't you say that guy did a great job of surrounding Jordan and building a dynasty? Without question, but more important than even that. He did do a great job. But let's say he did a bad job. He's dead. Right. His wife is there. You don't need to do that. You think there aren't some people that aren't Kobe Bryant worshipers who who wouldn't mind when Kobe Bryant's name gets said? They wouldn't Uh, mind booing. And so Jerry Krause's uh, crime is he broke up the Jordan Bulls a year too early or whatever, or Jordan and Pippen didn't like him. There are athletes who have been accused or did like real things that people could have animus towards and be upset with, but but no fan would ever think to do that when they're dead. 
it, it's but <laughs> Jason, the whole Pippen thing I, is interesting. If, if you, I know me and you both really enjoyed the Last Dance. Pippen's issue should have been with his agent. Someone should have told him this seven-year deal will be obsolete in three. And Jerry Reinsdorf said, "Hey, buddy, you signed the contract. We're not renegotiating." I don't see how you really blame Jerry Krause. But Jerry Krause, the one thing he did consistently, and again, not every player he drafted was an impact player like Stacey King, but they all became pretty serviceable. And when you had Michael Jordan, and then when Pippen develops, every other player on that roster, Jason, has to play a role. They'll never have a play called for them. They may not get a lot of shots. But they're, look, he discovered Tony Kukoc, who I know Pippen and Jordan hated, but guess what? They don't win those last three without him. He was a vital part. Even a guy like Bobby Hansen ended up hitting shots for them. And guess what? Jerry Cross is the guy that said, hey, Bobby, you could play a role. Randy Brown was the point guard or the one or the one on one of those teams, I think, in 96 that won it. These are all guys that, to me, were Jerry Krause specials. And Jerry Krause had a lot of guts. I remember reading that Walter Davis had been released or was going to retire with the Phoenix Suns. He was an NBA all-star for years, great player, but it was done. Michael, because they both went to Carolina and the whole Tar Heel Mafia was banging the table. We need Walter Davis. And, and look, Crumbs had enough guts to say, no, 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 no. You play, we make the team. And that that's a tough job. And I will say this, outside of Jerry West, Jerry Krause in that era was as good as anyone at that job. Give the man his flowers. Steve, please. great job. You now made me go look up Walter Davis stats because I was like, I remember he was a good player, but you, you're he right. Did. He made six NBA All-Star teams. I didn't oh, realize that. I thought he'd be a guy that made maybe two or three. Oh, yeah. Sweet D was good. Sweet D was very good. And Jerry, Jerry Krause said, no, look, it's over for you. I'm just saying, I get it. For every Dennis Hobson, he had five Steve Kerrs. Give the man his flowers and a box of donuts. Miss Krause, here's my ovation to you, to your family. Okay? <laughs> and, and, yes, organizations win championships. But to be fair, organizations with Michael Jordan, they win a lot of championships, though. We got we to gotta be honest about that. You know, that, that, I was not with him on that one. Here's my applause for uh, Steve Kim. Great job, as always. Thank you. Uh, We'll see you later this week. Warren Sapp, QB Killer. Thanks. Delano Squires, previously on Fearless. If you are a black man with Christian or even quasi-traditional views, and you're heterosexual, and you're married, and you're raising a family, right? The only thing that separates you from the, from the white man is that you have a little bit more melanin in, in, in your skin. That's it. That's it. They, so they, they want the part of you that's black, but they want to discard the part of you that's male. And that's why they speak, and, and the fact that so many black men have gone along with this and inverted that natural order that you're talking about is one of the reasons we have so many problems in our community. Because Jason, you, you've been around longer than me, but even I know this. Women do not respect weak men.
Time to talk some football uh, with one of the greatest football players of all time and one of the greatest people talking about football of all time. Uh, not me, Warren Sapp, the QB killer. Uh, Warren, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Hey, uh, I what's wanna, good, my man? Uh, One time for them Timberlands to watch my deck clean over there at Blaze TV. I love it, my boys. All right, you know we'll, we will start there. We'll start with uh, no Where else we gonna start? Let's get uh, set. <laughs> Uh, let's start with uh, Nostra Dumbass. Uh, do we have uh, the picture of John Hadley and his prediction for the uh, Tampa Bay-Philadelphia game that cost me $100? Yeah, there's, there's Nostra Dumbass. What a befitting name. Uh, Absolutely. John Hadley, the, the great. You hit it over yeah, John Fade Hadley. Yeah, he, he predicted uh, Philly would win by three touchdowns. Uh, what was the final score, Warren? 32 to 9. Yeah, the other way. Mm. Uh, mm. Twenty-one points. Twenty-one points wouldn't even help them. Twenty-one on top <laughs> of the nine wouldn't help them. <laughs> yeah, not good. Ooh, ooh. Were you surprised? Were you surprised at how no. well your Bucks played and how poorly no. Philly played? No, because there's something brewing in Philly. Absolutely, something brewing in Philly, and. Little Birdie say the head coach and the quarterback don't get along, and when that goes together, it's toxic. Yes, sir. The, yeah. the coach, coach and the quarterback head don't coach get and the quarterback along. Do not get along, and the offensive coordinator's in a very, very bad position because he has to please both. Mm -hmm. Huh? Mm -hmm. Why they just went to the Super Bowl a year ago? I know. Jalen Hurts just got paid. Amazing. I, you know what I used to have a saying, Jason? It was 60 minutes from the penthouse to the outhouse. Evidently, his 17 games from the penthouse to the outhouse, right? <laughs> say. But you know how that goes. Whenever a head man and, and, and the franchise quarterback that you just put $200 million on the table for, somebody's got to go. Wow. The only That's NFL team ever to start 10 and 1 and not win 12 games. So uh, they got problems in Philadelphia. Big How good are things in Tampa? You think you guys got a shot against the Lions? You know what, my quarterback, NFL, shame on you. You know what short week on the road means. Don't don't do that. And then we and then we can't even get the late game on Sunday because you would want Buffalo at three o'clock in the heat of the day, wouldn't you? I mean, Kansas City just played a negative four. You have two cold-weather quarterbacks that can get it done in anything. Let's put that game up front, and then let's make Detroit, because they've been waiting 35 years, 30-something years for, you know, this opportunity. Put them on center stage and, and, and let them go. I mean, perfect weather in Ford Field, unbeknownst to a re reporter down in Tampa. I mean, I'm still looking for some information on that. I know I know you got a name for me. I know somebody over I, there. I don't. You, oh, you got to have a name for me. Come I on, don't have the name. I don't have the come on. You know, come on. Let's let let's let's play the clip of uh, one of the probably the most ridiculous question, the most ridiculous playoff Ever. question since someone asked Ever. Doug Williams how long you been a black quarterback. Black I don't quarterback. know. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Black yeah, quarterback. Someone yeah, yeah, asked yeah, Doug. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Something about Tampa brings out. Or well, Doug was with the Washington at that point, but anyway, Doug got great history with Tampa. But let's let's play the clip of uh, Todd Bowles. 
towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures you tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. <laughs> Dog, I went from laughing to, to feeling sorry for this to lady. No. All right. All right. Here's the thing. So me being... The, the the Tampa man that I am, this hit me bright and early in the morning. And I look and I'm like, what? And some say, you got to push this button out and, and, and let it play. So I pushed it in. The thing that got me was all the, the foreplay before the question. I mean, at no time did it dawn on you, dawn on you that it's not the frozen Ford feel. <laughs> I mean, we... We started, I think, in the NFC West when we were first born in 76. But we basically spent everything in the Central. And one thing that is known about engaging in Tampa is that you only have two cold places, Chicago and Green Bay. Minnesota has a dome. Detroit has a dome. We used to play in the Superdome. So, you know, that – all right, but here's the thing that I got. This is a young lady that used to sit quietly in the, the press room and listen and learn. Yes, the, the other day she was gonna take it over. You know how many questions this tired, this quiet little little little, little young lady that used to sit in the corner listening and learning asked in this press conference, Jason? I don't know. Six. Yeah, six questions. And guess what number this one was? Five. Because Todd sat there and gave her a chance to clean it up with the six one or wipe the mud off her face or something. Because holy smokes. I mean. If so you, you talked to, to somebody that was there? Yes. That's my oh. house. That's my house. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but he wouldn't give me a name. I say, I say she's earned these 15 minutes of fame. She deserves it. I mean, the I mean, only thing you had to do was sit there and listen and learn. You've asked three other questions. You got a fourth one out. I mean, there's four quarters of football. I mean, I I, I want to know the question, all the questions now. I want to know that she she lead herself to this, you know, disaster because this is just bad. I mean, come on, come on. Sugar. Why can I think of my man that covered the Bucks for years, the old short dude? You know, why Which can one? I not think of his name? Edwin old Post? short I mean, uh, dude. Um, um, uh, Tom Tom uh, uh, McEwen. No, the little dude, he had the Hall of Fame vote from Tampa. Ira Kaufman? Ira Kaufman? No. He's funny. He, we were good friends. Short, older dude. Oh, man. I can't believe it. It wasn't a great Tom McEwen. I can't even think. What, Martin Finley? No. He didn't have a Hall of Fame vote, Martin, though. He, no, Martin didn't yeah, have a Hall of Fame Yeah, I know. that He worked for the same paper as Martin, I'm, I'm pretty sure. He's been he's started his own website now. Anyway, I'll think of it later. I don't know why. 
It's like, I'm getting old. I was there for nine years, but, and I should know this guy. So <laughs> I know <laughs> what, Shelton, what reporter is that? I don't know. But your description is horrible. You like you like you like five ten black guy. I mean, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it is Ira. It is Ira Kaufman. My God, the guy, my my Hall of Fame presenter. Yes, that it's is, Ira like, Kaufman. Yes. One thing I do is say the hockey dude. Come on, look quirky. Yeah, the hockey yeah, dude. Ira. Yeah. yeah, for my nine, seven of my Tampa nine Bay years Buccaneers in Tampa, forever. he covered the lightning. Seven of the nine years in what? mine in Tampa, he covered the lightning. Yeah, he's a big Islander guy. He'll tell you a bunch of stories about the Islanders back in the 70s. Yeah, he's real real hockey buff. Real hockey buff. Not a, not, not a football You don't man. like Ira? Are you acting like you don't like Ira, one of my favorite reporters? I didn't say I didn't like Ira. Oh. <laughs> facts don't facts don't don't mean you don't like someone. That means you're just stating facts. I'm sorry. <laughs> he got he helped get you into the Hall of Fame, you know, a tiny bit. Hey man, I, I gave him a Rolls. I warm. gave him a Rolls Royce to drive at the front door. I just asked him not to crash it on the <laughs> way through. The, <laughs> don't crash it, park it inside. <laughs> and so, the, and so, your understanding though, this woman is a regular reporter. Yes, she was. She's not. She good girl, covers the book. Good girl, nice, you know, professional, all that good stuff. And she just decided she was going to take over the press conference. That, that's what I got from my people. I'm going to take it over. Six questions in a press conference, Whitlock, and I can't even get your name. Come on. Come on. Right? Come on. <laughs> and you, and you, asked, and you, you asked the brother coach. How was he going to? Because, you know, we I thought we killed all those cold things for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady went up to uh, Green Bay and hit Miller on the third and whatever, the second greatest play in Buck history behind Rondé Barber running it back in the vet. I mean, how, how much colder we got to play? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Stop there. We've what never played a good game minus four. Minus four in Kansas City. Oh, my goodness. What was that? All right. Used to live there, dog. Hold on, yeah, hold on. One of those. Well, it 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 started out today here minus one in Nashville. So you know, <laughs> it's a crazy thing is going on. All right, it's very cold here. But it, I'm Warren, sorry, bro. speaking of bad looks, uh, Dak Prescott had one uh, <laughs> <laughs> over the weekend. What this man went from went from he's going to be the highest paid player in the NFL. To now, his job is potentially on the line. They cannot, <laughs> Jerry cannot pay him again. No, Can't, and, no. and you got teammates talking about he's panics under pressure. What? Bad week for Dak. No, the locker room has not turned on the quarterback. No. Why wouldn't it? Okay. I guess it was him because I was sitting there watching it and I'm like, they're doubling CD because I know the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. We raised him. We raised him down in Tampa. We got a championship with him. Excellent defensive coordinator, understands tendencies and what people like to do. And the one thing I've always known about playoff football is we're going to take away what you love. We're going to take away what you do over and over again. We're going to make you do the things you don't want to do. And that's not throw the ball to CD Lamb. And Brandon was open. Cooks is open. You got to go to the other guy and all these conversations that you're having with, with the – he's a spoiled receiver. Even if he doesn't wild out in the media, he wilds out in the locker room and behind closed doors. It's the same thing. It's no different. 
It's the same effect on a football team. We hear you rambling. We hear you talking to the linebackers. We hear you talking to the DBs. Come on. It's a locker room environment. We're brothers. So if you're going to do it, do it like a man. Say it to your teammates and 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 stand on it. Because if that's what – you saw him give it to him in the backfield, and then he went and got five. I said, oh, shit, he get five. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. But that's all they were doing was playing it like they were playing that guy and jumping C.D. Lamb because they knew – he wanted to get him off and, you know, get him out of his face. And, you know, I'm reading what the defense gives me, CD. They can take you away. Yes, they can. You're not 6'5". You don't run that fast. You don't jump that high. You, you, you look good receiver that runs nice routes. <laughs> you're, you're what do you Superman. do if you're Jerry Jones? Let me think, Seth Steele. Seth Steele. Sit still. Because it wasn't an offense. Last time I checked, <laughs> Jordan Love <laughs> Jordan Love was on fire. You got to do something about that where a young man is recognizing your defense and going, okay, tight end, you stay in. Let's block this up. And he's running out of time on the play clock, Whitlock. Sends the guy in motion, calls the snap, sits in the pocket. They block it up. That's Stephon Gilmore. That's a former defensive player of the year. Hello. These ain't, it's just one of the run of the mill people he was coming after. You know what I'm saying? They told me Michael Parsons was the next Lawrence Taylor. I can show you enough plays where he looked like Betty, Betty Taylor rather than Lawrence. I mean, come on. You better be kidding me, man. I mean, come on. I, you don't want to go in the lab with me. The tape don't lie. I, I'll pull the tape out and I'll run it and I'll show you. If he doesn't believe he has a chance to make the play, he's going to turn it off. <laughs> Just shut it down. Just turn the key off. It's over. Lawrence sets the pace up front. Lawrence sets the pace up front, and then Michael Parson takes it off the top. The linebacker core, 14 and 33, might be the two worst linebackers I've seen in the National Football League in the last 10 years. And I watched two white boys in Kansas City play linebackers 41. Remember we was talking about those earlier? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was crazy. Sander, whatever, 49. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that dude there, oh, my goodness. And the two in Detroit, hey, it's beautiful. Guy in Cincinnati. Why are you going milk what? check on the linebackers? The Hall of Fame is full of Jack Lambert, Jack Ham. Yeah, the 70s. Dick Buckus. 70s, uh, 60s, 70s. Erlacher. Oh. Luke uh, Keekley yep. will be there before too no, no, long. Zach, Zach Thomas. Zach, I think Zach, Zach Thomas. Tom, is, yeah. In, in, yeah, Zach Thomas going in the Hall of Fame that rekindled the fire. They're they bringing him back out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, 14 to 33, and I always say this about the Cowboys, number 33. Who be 33? Somebody tell me who that is because – He's the he is such a liability on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, these linebackers are slanting in, and he won't cover over the top. That's a beautiful thing I've learned from Derrick Brooks. Wherever I'm going, he's taking the other gap. That's how you build a defense on trusting where your brother going and how we're gonna get this done together. Because there's some great athletes in the National Football League that you just gotta slow down. You can't stop them. You just gotta you're, slow them down, and then you're they not a fan of. Damone Clark is who you're talking about. <laughs> Second-year player from LSU. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. That's 33 for the Cowboys. Yeah, couldn't pick him out of a lineup. 6'3", 240. No. I'm No, not 240. No man that's 240 <laughs> pounds don't go towards the line of scrimmage. Uh-uh. 
No linebacker that's 240 don't go ahead down the line of scrimmage and hit something. This man plays side to side, five yards deep. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Jerry, fix that defense. Your quarterback is fine. Oh, wow. Stick with the quarterback, fix the defense, and you've blasted Micah Parsons saying he turns his motor off if he can't oh, make the absolutely. play. absolutely. Stop the Lawrence Taylor and Doomsday 2, all this wild stuff. Uh, stop it. Stop it. You can't play those kind of defenses anymore. You can't. Mm-mm. That's, that's why I call him the best man talking to, about the <laughs> NFL. Uh, Warren, finally, uh, who would you want as your coach, Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick? They're both on the open market. Is neither Noah a choice in this because – I love Pete Carroll and I love the competition, but you can't do that with today's players. They want to be anointed and and told where where you're gonna put them and how you're gonna use them and how you're gonna make them the you know a new hottest thing that's going in the National Football League. They don't want to hear anything about work. They don't want to hear anything about competition. They don't want anything about your stance ain't in the proper position. Your foot is forward when you're right-handed quarterback. It should be the other way around. And just because Aaron Rodgers does it doesn't make it right. Just doesn't make it right. I know you love Aaron Rodgers. I do too as a quarterback. But, you know, like Deion Sanders, he can't teach you what he did on the corner because he can't. <laughs> you can't You can't describe it and you don't know. It's just something within us. Like I can't teach you how I saw that play was what it was because it's in the moment. But I can teach you how to approach it to where you may see it. And that's what I'm. That that that's that that's my that's that's gonna be my whole little little stick is how do you make yourself into whatever you want to be. I created the QB killer. Uh, Robert Mathis is the QB hater. There's plenty more QBs out there, baby. Go get you one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and label yourself because that's, that, that's what hunting the quarterback is for me and it always will be as a passion and a love because he's the prize. Did you pick a coach, Belichick or Carroll? Did, did, did any of that pick a coach? Carroll. I would have picked pick Carroll. One? I would have picked Carroll. I would have picked Carroll. Carol looks like he's fun. Over Bill Belichick. Yeah. You asked me. I told you. <laughs> I told you too many times. I'm not here to make the man become the winningest coach while he's the losingest coach. <laughs> nope. Go home, Belichick. There's nothing in Atlanta for you. What's in Atlanta for him? Please help. Tell me. What's the quarterback? Who's the defender? I don't. I you can't agree. name me a defender in Atlanta. Not even a DB. <laughs> Nothing. I can't. Yeah. And then the, and I, and then the I, NFC South. Tampa played them twice. Only thing I know is the Riddler character, right? At quarterback? Riddler or something like that? Huh. Yeah. Smaller Cam Newton. When are you headed to Detroit? Um, Saturday. All right. Well, enjoy yourself. I thought about going. I thought about going earlier, but boy, that temperature just keeps you in the south, boy. You know, you think you talk, you talk about cold Tennessee. Now you go up another two hundred miles and see what you get. It's a little Arctic right now, so I'm hoping the good Lord warm us up because we didn't have much of a, a white Christmas, but boy, it's an Arctic January. <laughs> Remember the year they had the Super Bowl up in Detroit? Ah, I think it was what? Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Yep. Jerome Bettis, maybe. Yep. Yeah. One of the worst performances ever terrible. by Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback. What was he, 8 for 21 <laughs> or something like that? Ooh. Didn't he win, though? Yeah, he won. Well, he definitely won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heinz Ward mm. threw the touchdown to, to Randall L. Yeah, <laughs> Heinz Ward threw the pass. Yeah. <laughs> got to do what you got to do sometimes, right. baby. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week. Hit them straight. And tell Ira Kaufman I said hello. I will. I, I called Ira this morning to get yeah. the name of the reporter. He won't answer my call. That's why I'm a little hot with him. Don't worry about it. I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Warren. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Nothing in life like freedom Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all deceiving We all wanna be free we want freedom I just want, I want to be